It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter at Matthew Sosey. The show is available as a podcast. It's also available on iTunes. And we have a blog, which someday will be updated at filmsociology.tumblr.com. We have a gaggle of guests who actually do update their blogs, and uh, basically the film yap has invaded film <laughs> sociology because there are times where I, I, I invade the film yap. That's usually when I'm on TV. But anyway, I have many, many correspondents and leaders, and it's a real sausage fest, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> not, not the Seth Rogen thing that's coming later this year. But um, let's, let's, uh, we'll start with our guest in studio, then we'll get our guest on the phone. But uh, if you guys can verbally sign in, please, so we all know the, your dulcet tones from the very beginning. Exactly right. Uh, this is Joe Shear, frequent guest to Film, Sociolo- Film Sociology, also known as Film Yap Radio. <laughs> God. This is Evan Dossey, frequent contributor to the Film Yap and a first-time guest on Film Sociology. We'll be gentle. <laughs> and this is Sam Watermeyer. I write for Nuvo and occasionally for the Film Yap. And joining us on the phone, Nick. <laughs> I'm Nick Rogers. I'm the uh, Minister of Propaganda under the new Film Yap regime on film sociology. <laughs> By the way, Queen also wants you to stop using their music. <laughs> of course, yes. No more bicycle race at my rallies. That's right. Okay, um, we got a lot. Again, we, there's a lot going on here. It's uh, Of course, we're in the midst of summer. This is my first time on radio since getting back from vacation, and I have to deal with you guys. That's great. Yeah. Um, of course, opening in theaters this week, the big one is uh, is Lights Out. No. Um, <laughs> it's. I guess nobody here saw Ab Fab either. No, I believe Chris reviewed that for the film yet this week. Well, of course he did. Yeah. So if if you saw him on Indie Style this morning, he I believe he spoke about which, it. Which uh, which stylish vest did he wear on uh, on I Indie think, Style? I think he wore the blue one today. 
He is also a Dapper Dan man. No, uh, Star Trek Beyond opened, and uh, it's the third film in the reboot, and Justin Lin, the director of Fast and Furious sequels, is involved, and everybody's there, along with Idris Elba, who, Idris Elba's character looks like if uh, Predator were a classically trained Shakespearean actor. Um, But yeah, they're all back, and uh, this time it's only produced by J.J. Abrams, not written or directed, although Simon Pegg, Scotty, um, does have a co-writing, co-screen Writing credit. Um, what, we, like I said, this is the third installment. The first one, a lot of fun because we got a reboot and we got to see younger versions of characters that we have uh, grown up with over the years. Second one, eh, more of a Wrath of Khan thing than we expected, and Brawn went one out over brains, and mm-hmm. and in ways, kind of Brawn one out over brains in this film as well. Yeah. But um, the third one. Um, because it's not based – it wasn't their version of Search for Spock, and thank God for that. Um, it, it, we got what I want. I wanted a little bit of action, no matter how ridiculous the CG is mm-hmm. or use of uh, popular music. I'll leave it at that. Right. Um, but we had a lot of fun with characters. There's a, lot, there's a first half of the film, uh, the gang from the Enterprise are split up into groups – and watching that that dynamic was for me the most fun. Yeah. Um, Joe, we'll, I guess we'll start, and then we'll get on. We'll go on the phone. But Joe, your mm-hmm. thoughts on Star Trek Beyond? Sure. Um, well, I, I should also um, say I don't know those of who have listened to me over the years knows that I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Um, uh, you know, from the Next Generation time on. You know, uh, I was a huge fan of the the uh, the reboot, and and I even liked uh, Into Darkness probably a little more than other people did, but. Um, I, I had a pretty good time with this film. Uh, I, I feel like it was a, a nice, solid movie. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the you know I feel like it could have done a few things better here and there, but it uh, you know I, I feel like uh, Idris Elba is the villain. Um, he he has an arc that kind of comes out of nowhere toward the end. Uh, I I wish they would have maybe uh, you know kind of telegraphed that a little more or you know planted those seeds a, a little earlier. But um, he, he ended up being a pretty solid villain, and uh, I, I still am a big fan of this crew as you know as, as Kirk and and, uh, and company. If you go to the AV Club, they have a section called Spoiler Alert, and that's where if you've seen the film and you want to discuss it, you can go there. And there's there's a couple aspects. There's one in particular that you've drawn upon, mm-hmm. which again we're we're gonna kind of glaze over a little bit. Yeah, I, I am expecting text from Abdul Kim Shabazz <laughs> screaming uh, that there's a theory that we can't have Idris Elba as a human being. We have to have layers and layers of makeup on him. <laughs> I understand that, and they, actually, David Edelstein on Fresh Air kind of took that to task. You have, if you have a Ferrari, why are you going to put layers and layers of latex on it so you can't right. understand what it's saying? But anyway, yeah, Alba's Al, still solid. Yeah. He, he's usually Alba's also become one of those guys. He's the best thing about a film mm-hmm. if the film is complete and utter dreck. Oh yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, yeah, um, yeah, Evan. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to see Beyond yet. I'm, uh, well, then you just sit there and be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe of, of our crew here today, I think I'm the only one who's seen it. Really? Um, Nick, yeah. you, you didn't either? I, I was going to try to go to a late show last night, but I couldn't get to it. So. Okay, sorry, guy. I'm sorry. No, I, that's okay. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are pre-planning on the show <laughs> as it happens. Right. Not since Kobe Slagle with his hot online searching during the show. I, I, I'm, I will... I'm equipped to talk to you about terrible late 80s and early 90s action movies today. So I, that's, yes, that's I, my, yeah. we will get to that, sir. We will yeah. get to In fact, I think we will, after we talk about what's new in theaters, I think we're, we're going to table what's on DVD and Blu-ray because I know what you guys want to – I know you've been sharpening your knives for. But we'll get to the testosterone fest in a little bit. 
Okay. Um, so I guess you and me. Yeah, there yeah. It's, it's interesting. There is there is one moment in Star Trek Beyond that you are reminded it's uh, it's Justin Lin directing it, and it's when Scotty walks off his rocket uh-huh. and and saves almost oh, almost falls. Of course, we've seen right. Paul Walker do this bit where you uh, yeah. your your vehicle is on the verge of collapse, literal, mm-hmm. and you run from one end of it to the other to save yourself and of course you must leap and you must catch by the by the fingernails and then you're okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they they did that 46 times or so in the, in the Fast and Furious movies <laughs> that he directed. This time only one. Right. And he of course because Captain Kirk is is a young guy, uh, they were able to incorporate a motorcycle chase. Yes, yes, which was which was really fun, you know, where he it's at one point he looks up and goes Oh, that's a such and such and such and such, and and it's you know it pans over and there's the motorcycle. You're like, okay, we know yeah. where this is going. It's the old, yeah, it's the old theater rule. If there's a gun on stage, and you know it's going to be used. Right, if there's right. a motorcycle on stage, the Beastie Boys probably will soon be following. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I did. I I kind of felt like that. Um, as you mentioned, the the use of popular music, it was um, it, it's done. It's in a wholly ridiculous way, um, but you know, of course, we don't want to spoil it, but. Um, it, it's it's silly, but you kind of just go, go with, with it. it. A yeah, bit. you the term I use: embrace your silliness. Now, yeah. say what you will about the Fast and Furious series, and mm-hmm. and we could do a whole show on that, but we won't. We're NPR. Um, <laughs> but there there are moments where you embrace the silliness, and yeah. and Star Trek Beyond embraces the silliness. There is you. Know, we I had I, I saw the film last night with a gentleman who is a uh, who has a doctorate in physics. Mm-hmm. So it's fun when you can bring back the old. Uh, and Nick, you're, I know you're a fan of this from the '80s uh, action films. When you can catch somebody by their bare hand or the wrist, and they're going to be right. okay. That's right. Yes. So. Yeah. With, with with not a break or a fall, not a uh, one into a, into a pit to be found. Right. No, there and there there there's a, there is a moment in there, and that's that's what we call yeah okay you yeah. you do that, and, and it's got the Star Trek wrinkle without without saying anymore. Right. Uh, but um, <laughs> and, and it's that's that's a trope they've used um in the past in these movies as well. But um, I, I would say um, you know, obviously there were two pretty significant losses to the the Star Trek family. Uh, if, if that's what you want to call it, um, in advance of this film, and and one of those at least, um, the the less timely of the two, of course, is Leonard Nimoy's passing, which and, they incorporate into yeah, the script, and, and, and it, it's done it's done tastefully. It's well. done, yeah, it's done very well, and um, there there's even uh, I don't I don't know if I want to say I'll say at one point there's there's a a major callback to um, the original the original cast and crew, um, so and as well um, being Star Trek, there's a lot of uh, in references. Um, especially oddly enough, to the Enterprise series, the the Scott Bakula series, there's a couple of those, um, which you you may not have caught if you weren't a fan no, of that show. Not. But they they reference an, an alien species that was um, pretty heavily favored or featured in that series, as, as well as the, uh, the the uniforms of, of that era. Okay. Yeah. The more overt was uh, Carl Urban as as Bones finally got he <laughs> he got to say something that he often says to Jim, uh-huh. informing people informing his friend of what his job is and is right. not. <laughs> right. That's always fun. And yeah, there's there's a lot of scenes with Bones and and Spock that mm-hmm. I just enjoy because yeah. I just love the idea of a and and Carl Urban's got to be what in his early thirties. Yeah, I would, I would even say maybe mid to late, mid to late yeah. maybe. But yeah, I, I just it's still fun imagining him as a twenty-something cantankerous old bastard. Yeah, because <laughs> De, DeForest Kelly was born forty. Yeah, yeah, but, and, uh, and I mean these guys have the full-on chemistry at this point. You know they, yeah, they, you know they're, you know there there's that mix of uh, the occasional angst of the, you know and, and irritation with each other, but but the, you know they're they're pretty overt with the with their outright respect for each other as well and. Um, it's it's uh it's pretty solid and and the other thing I, I really want to give credit to the film for is finding something for pretty much everyone to do, 
Uh, you know, even, even Sulu. Yeah, I mean Sulu. There, I mean, there's uh, Sulu's yeah. character, of course, has been in the news last couple of weeks. Right. It's it's by the way, folks, it's one moment. It, yeah, it's and, one moment. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. not. Um, how should I put it? It's not Spock, or it's not you know, it's not Kirk kissing Ahura, right? Or you know, Sulu kissing right. Spock, you know, right. whatever. It's it, it's literally it's a, a second moment. and a half. It's a second yeah. and a half, and and yeah, I, I'm okay with it. I mean, yeah. I know George Takei has written about it endlessly mm-hmm. on on Twitter, and that's fine. Yeah. It's fine, but yeah, um, but and of course Simon Pegg, when you're the screenwriter, you give yourself some more to do. Yeah. Um, and what what is her name? Because I refer to her as a giant zero bar. Oh. Not <laughs> not since Jeremy Irons in the Time Machine. Where right. you saw something that good looking and really, really white chocolate. Right. Her name was Jayla, I believe. Jayla, right. Yeah. Uh, but there's a scene a lot of scenes where him and her. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if it was if it weren't for Kirk, I think Scotty would be the chick magnet on the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. And and the other Because he wears red and he lives. Yes, exactly right. That's how you know he's bad because he <laughs> we've seen that die. meme, yeah. Yeah. And um but he gets um you know, or the that character of Jayla when you see her, you go, "Oh, she's the Avatar stand-in. She's the right. the tough warrior chick, the, the simple warrior." There's no chick. stare down with her and Uhura going right. in there, right? But um, but she gets, you know, she gets a, a better arc than your typical warrior, you know, your typical savage warrior race woman. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed, you know, how they, you know, when you first see her, that's what you think. Well, she's yep. just going to be here, and, and she's and tough. A thousand cosplay conventions, all right. are going to be filled with, right. uh, with yeah. But but she gets a real arc, and she gets real um, real character moments, and and um, I, I really like what they did with her brain. And she she was almost a, a another cast member, so um, that that was pretty uh, it was pretty interesting to see how they how they handled her and her her ultimate fate as far as the film goes was was pretty interesting you think they'll um not really a spoiler but do you think they'll bring her back i, I would well i was <laughs> i was trying to avoid saying that but yeah yeah i think they will um yeah i, I think there, there will be more of her so there you go um the, the other moment i think of and it was fun seeing it last night was and it's with with the two of them where she picks up this giant laser saber uh-huh. i'm not a galactic weapons Thing. person right. right and then there's a seat where simon Pegg picks up a rock with absolutely no effort <laughs> it is the most subtle i mean even more subtle than the dig in the remake of clash of the titans of over the little bird uh-huh. but but it was just a nice homage to the foam rocks from the 1960s right. i'm like simon you didn't even have any effort lifting that it was a very very fake looking rock yeah exactly so <laughs> all right so it sounds like overall it's it's enjoyable if you don't now I know and David Edelstein kind of complained about the wall to wall action with no breathing space because that's the action world we live in now right. and I think I was discussing with my buddy Kyle last night after seeing the film um I think I think Mad Max Fury Road really set the bar high as far as having wall to wall action mm-hmm. that was exhilarating and yeah. I think it's if if people try to emulate that imitate that you I think a lot of times you're going to wind up exhausted yeah and this isn't exhausting mm-hmm. I think I think there's a nice balance of mm-hmm. action and character stuff yeah. you know it's not great but it was enjoyable yeah yeah it, it was yeah I I don't want to go overboard with praise um you know and I you know we've had a couple of minor more minor criticisms but yeah it, it was a lot of fun I I wouldn't definitely wouldn't put it in the league with Mad Max Fury Road, but no. it was a, a solid, you know, middle of the road entry in the Star Trek series. If you, you know, I, I you know, in my, my review on the com, I did a lot. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> I did, I, you know, I, you know, put, you know, uh, did a lot of comparisons to the original films. And I, I mean, I think it's a solid, I mean, it's a, it's, it's upper tier, lower upper tier of, you know, if, if the, the, the standard is maybe the original or, or the, uh, the, the 2009 reboot 
and uh, then, Star Trek Two, of course. I mean, not necessarily in this order. Um, maybe Star Trek First Contact, Star Trek Six are probably my favorite ones. I, I would put it just maybe on the the lower end of those four. But um, you know, I, I'm not putting it with you know Star Trek Five or anything. You know, um, but you know, <laughs> I mean, thank goodness for that. Yeah, not by any means. You know, it's 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 definitely higher than that. By the way, Terry, when Terry Gross was introducing the review, uh, she accidentally referred to Chris Pine as Captain William T. Kirk. <laughs> So it happens <laughs> even here at NPR. Yeah, All okay. right. So that's so – yeah, it's out there. Go see it if you're into big – I mean, and for for the summer. And I've, I've not seen – I honestly, I've seen less of the big stuff because, you know, Skypoint online screeners. Right. Um, so this, you know, this seems like it's near the top as far as the films of the summer. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I still put um, Captain America Civil War at, at the very top. Um, and I've not seen everything myself this summer, but um, – you know, it's it's definitely one of the top movies of the summer, and, and I think it should, you know, I, I hope the box office reflects that, because um, they've already announced another film, so I guess that's happening anyway, unless this just absolutely tanks and they just jettison the whole thing. Which I don't but, think is going to yeah, happen. But, um, and, and, of course, the news is that uh, they're not going to recast uh, Chekhov, Chekhov right. so right. smart move on their part. Right, and, and they don't, um, obviously that happened too late in the process for them to, to deal it. with that, but they do give him uh, a, a credits tribute. Yeah, um, which, which was it was really nice the way they do it too. They give uh, Nimoy and and then Anton Yelchin separate, you know, separate little exactly. uh, title card or uh, memoriam cards. All right, so that is out there, folks. Now, if you don't want to wait in the lines, there are smaller pictures that have that have opened this weekend. Uh, well, there's Ice Age, but and this, how many of these yeah. damn films have been made? I Five? think this is the 18th. And you've seen all of them because you have young kids. It's actually, it's actually the twenty first. Twenty first, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I quit watching after, after seven. It just you know went off the off the deep end. That's great. The subtle nuances right. of, of Ice Age. Um, yeah. Also opening in theaters this weekend, and uh, I, I got to watch this the other day. Uh, the Viggo Mortensen drama Captain Fantastic. It is not the Elton John story, <laughs> but it is a uh, it's a compelling drama about a, a gentleman with five kids, six kids. A lot of kids. And he's living in the woods, literally and figuratively off the grid, uh, self-sustaining. And what happens when their mother, the, the, the wife, commits suicide and they have to come back into the world? Um, kudos to Mortensen. The guy can do just about anything. And he, he's, you know, except for maybe Hildalgo, he just does projects that interest him, that are physically challenging. Ladies and some dudes, if you like looking at Vigo, <laughs> there's a moment. No. You're welcome. Um, but... The camaraderie he has, the chemistry he has with the actors who play his kids. I mean, they do. A, there's a, the first twenty minutes is them training and working and studying, and you know the the seven year old can quote Noam Chomsky, Norm Chomsky, and and you know that sort of thing. And then it's a bus trip to go down to the funeral and deal with her parents, played by Frank Langella, among mm-hmm. others. Uh, Missy Pyle has a nice little moment in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. On paper, you've seen the family road trip pictures, but there's also the clash of what happens when you live on your own and you're able to survive on your own and dealing with the outside world, like in the case of his brother, played by Steve Zahn. I'd love to see the parents if Viggo Mortensen and Steve Zahn are siblings. <laughs> but um, check your family tree. Anyway, right. it's, it's, a, it's a solid drama, and it's worth checking out. Uh, also opening, and I think this is in one theater, and it's in two, one in Evan. We've been getting online screeners for films that are only playing in, like, Evansville and Fort Wayne, and yeah. we're getting one. Sc- but it's the, the dystopian drama Equals with uh, Kristen Stewart and Nicholas Holt. Um, are we done? I, I, oh, man. Are we done with Kristen Stewart? Are, no, it's not that, because actually I'm, I'm, I'm going to be reviewing her film. Well, it's not her film, Cafe Society, next week. Oh, yeah. But um, – 
Are we done with the the Giver knockoffs? Well, now that the last the last Divergent movie is becoming a TV movie instead of a theatrical, is it really? Yes. Yeah. And Ooh. perhaps, perhaps blessedly so. Well, this is one that everybody's wearing white. And everybody has their own business, and and emotions and human contact are bad. And guess what happens? Kristen Stewart and the dude from Warm Bodies <laughs> make bodies. Um, yeah, it's you know Guy Pearce and Jackie Stewart have nice little cameos off the bench, but I'm I'm really done with this stuff. I feel like an old man when I see these. Yeah. I just I don't care. So yeah. anyway, um, and then there's one other film that that opened last week. I don't think it's even received an Indianapolis uh, release, which kind of bugs me. But then again, uh, you know, if all the theaters were film filled with film nerds like us, the world might be a slightly better place. But it's a doc. Have you guys seen the documentary De Palma? Yes. Yes. All right, Nick, you're on the phone and you've been waiting patiently. Your your thoughts on the why is this not playing in Indianapolis? Well, that's a good question. I mean, you know, like you said, this is another one of those uh, movies that's opening in Evansville and Fort Wayne, and I think it's worth noting that um, those screeners that we've been getting are for from a studio A24, which is is known for you know these very kind of um, you know envelope pushing wide releases, right? I mean, sort of on the low end of the wide releases. And but... I'm, pause for a second. Uh, mandatory butt kissing. Thank you, A24, for the yeah. screeners. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yes. And uh, De Palma didn't get a wide release um, the way that, that some of those other ones have. I think even Equals has somewhat of a, of a wide release. But um, De Palma is, um, is something that, you know, again, I'm surprised it hasn't played in Indianapolis. It's, it's, a, it's a great, um, just very straight-ahead, chronological look back at, uh, at the films that Brian De Palma has made from him on his own. I it's, mean, a, yeah, it's a one-man film. If you remember the documentary Tyson from a few years ago, it's much like that, mm-hmm. only interspersed with clips from De Palma's films. And he just he basically starts with his his youth and his schooling, and his experimental films into his his first features, and then his his uh, kind of shift into the mainstream, and then away from the mainstream, um, and touches on some really interesting things too, just in regard to how his own personal psychology influenced his films and just some things about his life that that you you didn't know you know unless you were a, a De Palma scholar um and and it's really I think that's what kind of takes it out of the inside baseball um feeling I mean it, there there's kind of the sense that like oh this is just for film nerds like the five of you right and <laughs> and it, it really isn't I, I think that you know if if you're interested in how someone's you know how a legendary director's uh, forthright, frank comments about their lives influence their films. This is a really interesting documentary. Yeah, and and he even I mean he never actually puts it into words, but he's like, yeah, I love Hitchcock. Right. right. He he addresses the Hitchcock in the room of yes, I know I'm inspired I'm inspired insanely by Alfred Hitchcock, yeah. and 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 so there's a part of me because there there are mo- I, I think with De Palma. Um, there really is, hopefully, there's no middle ground. I think I've either really liked his films or I've really hated right. them. <laughs> and I think well, there's something to be said about that. I mean, you don't want a career of meh. Right. So the fact that you get such a, uh, I think, a polarizing opinion, I think that says something about the artist. And and like Ken Russell or Robert Altman, most of the time it's not been, st- I mean, he and he talks about the studios coming in and fussing things up, but generally he's been able to get a, get his vision on screen and I think there's something to be said about that. Absolutely, and and I think the you know kind of the other thing is um, going back to you, you mentioning Hitchcock and him sort of mentioning that. I think that what's the kind of the final moments of this is, is when he addresses that, and that's sort of the if you know any comparative knock on De Palma, that's it, right? 
he, I think what he says is it's not just that he's merely mimicking Hitchcock, but he's kind of keeping alive this idea of the visual language yep. that Hitchcock helped usher in. And perhaps he's doing that at the expense of normal relationships in his life and professional upward movement that you know, we all sort of hope to achieve whatever our, our occupation is. And I think that that's really interesting. It really kind of takes it away from, you know, I like this style and I'm mimicking this style to I am interpreting this language for an entire generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's also made by, um, I believe it's Jake Paltrow and, and Noah Baumbach Correct. Have, have, have sort of teamed up to direct this. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's kind of got that um, advanced film school quality to it. But I think that that's a really interesting thesis statement that you come out of out of this movie. Joe, you saw it as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I was going to mention, I was going to piggyback on, on what Nick said about the relationships. He he talks a bit about his uh, marriage to Nancy Allen and, and that as well. And and I and that was that was really a, kind of a cool moment. And yeah, because that's never really been. I mean, we knew it happened, but it's never really been brought up. It's one right. of those. I don't think you'd ever want to ask either one, <laughs> right? So thank yeah. you guys for doing that. Yeah, he he gives a, a brief but relatively you know frank discussion about you know. About his his time with her, so that that was that was really a a, a cool bit to me. Um, also, because I'm Facebook friends with Nancy Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Name drop. Wow. Hey, um, by the humbly, way, yeah, humbly accept that. Oh no, I got this. Quest. Yeah, Pam and I were talking. She's not pleased about that. Hey, hey, hey now, <laughs> Pam, Pam is totally cool with that. No, she's not. Pam Greer. Is no, she's totally, not. She's when, totally as, cool as, she was, as she was, uh, as she was, as she was leaning on my shoulder, <laughs> in, you know, as I was comfort. Yeah, because that's what I'm, right. I'm, I'm leaning on Pam Greer's shoulder. By the way, yeah. if that ever happens. Yeah. That's not happening. Anyway, um, all right. So yeah, but it's a it is a very fascinating, entertaining, uh, talking head film, and it made me okay. So what's what's the first De Palma film you wanted to watch after watching this, Nick? The first one that I wanted to watch was probably um, Blowout, just because I haven't seen it yeah. in in so long. I have the Criterion Blu-ray, yeah. and it's it's worth it, yeah. absolutely <laughs> worth it. So uh, uh, Dress to Kill. Um, I I actually um, showed my. Kids, the the elevator scene. Did uh, you really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I was I was telling them about. It. I was like, oh, that was one of the scariest things when I was a kid. And I was like, I, you know, I, I, in, we were actually had been um, in a hotel with, you know, in an elevator, and I, I think I mentioned that scene to him in that elevator. Way to go, Dad! <laughs> and, and I was like, here, when we get up to the room, I'll show you. And they they were freaked out. <laughs> um, I, when Emma was younger. Um, because this happened a couple of times, but she said, "Daddy, this sound." And I, I make fun of you showing that to the kids. I right. did the same. Uh, but Emma said to me, "There was, I think it was Hannah Montana." Somebody said the line, "Say hello to my little friend." Yeah. <laughs> and she goes, "What's that from?" And I said, "Sit down." Went to YouTube. Now, for the record, uh, parents, I just showed her that moment. Right. <laughs> just you know, about one minute clip of Scarface, right. and, and her response was after the explosion, "Whoa!" Yeah. <laughs> and I went, "Do you need to see any more?" Uh, hoping, hoping for the right fifty-fifty chance. Like, right. No, I'm I'm good, I'm Dad. Good. <laughs> well, what What's great about the the, the the documentary too is, I mean, he literally talks about every movie. I mean, he talks about things like Wise Guys, which is just this I know. ill-fated attempt that. At a, at a comic palette cleanser that he had in the 80s and Mission to Mars, which was just this, you know, yeah. woebegotten, big-budget mess. The um, Fury and Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah. The, the early De Niro pictures, like mm-hmm. Greetings and Hi, Mom. Yep. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, there's you could you could probably have a De Palma fest if you really wanted to this weekend, and and probably if you're a guy, you probably should. Yeah. So, oh, so all right, that is that is out there. So I mean, anyway, I'm I'm really hoping it gets a wider release, but I, I think we'll be screaming about this a lot more when it gets a DVD release. So yeah. I think if you're a film fan of any kind, you should go check out De Palma. I know there's one other film that opened, and somebody wrote a, a rave about it, but it's uh, a, hearing about mature. Horror movies, scary movies, but uh, but Lights Out opened this weekend. Mm-hmm. That is Sam. Yeah, Sam, take it. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I'm a I'm a horror junkie though, but um, Maria Bello and Teresa Palmer are a mother and daughter who find themselves haunted by this ghost who only appears when lights are out. Hence the title, um, and you know it has some really fun jump scares and some some cool supernatural stuff but it's also it also has some emotional heft it's it's basically um ultimately about depression and mental illness um it kind of reminded me of the the babadook uh in that sense um have you watched the babadook again joe no no really (laughs) why not because I didn't like it. He's too busy watching <laughs> Real Steel for the. But <laughs> <laughs> by, by yeah. the way, um, Real Steel is is my the room uh, with with Nick Rogers. <laughs> so you're so. you're also a sadist, <laughs> right? Now we start throwing titles at everybody. This is uh-huh. the film critic version of the dozens, I guess. Right. So anyway, I'm sorry, Sam. Go on. Um, <laughs> it's uh, uh, Lights Out's also produced by James Wan, and it kind of has the same feel as uh the conjuring or insidious in the sense that um you know the it's not gory it's uh surprisingly heartfelt um and you know focuses on family drama ultimately kind of in the same vein as poltergeist or or the exorcist it lights out as kind of a family drama first and foremost and and kind of a horror movie second um I really enjoyed it, but I'm I'm a pretty forgiving uh, <laughs> horror watcher. Well, I mentioned because it seems like there's been a couple of horror. You mentioned the Babadook, which I absolutely loved, and I know the Witch was earlier this year. That mm-hmm. uh, you you also enjoyed that. Uh, the Witch is yeah probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah. Um, so it seems like there's been at least a, a somewhat of an upgrade at times. And I know you also mentioned The Conjuring, which, you know, got an R rating just because it was that flippin' scary. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. And, yeah, and The Conjuring doesn't, you know, doesn't have much grisly content, but uh, just the atmosphere is so unsettling. Um, and it really has a, a palpable sense of dread. Um, and... I don't know the conjuring and insidious and lights out to me feel like sort of throwbacks to um kind of early 80s horror like uh poltergeist and stuff like that so yeah i'd say you know we're in a pretty that the horror genre is is alive and well right now and I've, I've also noticed in the last few years, it, it helps when you, you mentioned Maria Bello and Teresa Palmer, when you, when you have legit actors. I mean, mm. you know, when we were kids, all you needed was an actor that was willing to take their clothes off. Right. <laughs> but, but the fact that you have people like that, I always remember uh, Tony Goldwyn in Last House on the Left mm. and Virginia Madsen in The what, Haunting of Connecticut. So the mm-hmm. fact that you have, you have some, some actors with some depth, which kind of adds to it. It's like Liam Neeson in Taken. Right. Where, you know, if you had a pituitary gland as the action here, nobody cares. But you have somebody with emotion and depth, that really brings you into the film more. And that seems that's that's been popping up more the last few years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
yeah, and it's um, it's it, it, it actually just elevates the entire genre, you know, and and I, I think it's uh, I think it's been to to our credit that we're going in that direction. Uh, and I, I really do like, uh, you know, you mentioned The Conjuring. I, I really liked, I, I just actually saw that recently, the first one. Um, I missed it in theaters the first time around um, and on home video for a while. <laughs> but, um, it happens. It, yeah, the, it, it's, it's, that, it's that kind of cool dynamic where they, where they actually try to, to bring a lore into, the, you know, into your movie rather than just, oh, we're just going to make up this very tiny premise and then we're just going to you know, start throwing things at you. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think when you do that, you, you have a, a more memorable film and, and something that you can actually build off of, you know. There you go. Um, before we get in, uh, shift gears a little bit. I know Evan. Evan, you've been very patient. How are you doing? You doing <laughs> hey, okay? I'm doing great. Yeah. All right. Um, what I'm saying because I know we've been talking about a bunch of new stuff. Recent. What have you watched recently? That's uh, that's been out. I finally caught up on uh, the new Ghostbusters yesterday. And about a week late. I thought it was great. Yeah. I thought it was. Uh, I know Joe mentioned that it was pretty. Uh, it, it stayed pretty close to reminding you that it was respectful of the old stuff. They Not trying the, to outdo the first. Yeah, they had all the cameos. They had all the, you know, mm-hmm. all the classic landmarks and, mm-hmm. and in-jokes. But I thought it was a, it was much better than it had to be. I had a couple of people say it's the, it's uh, the director's best work. I would agree with that. Yeah, was it you that did that, Nick? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I've seen Bridesmaids. So. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice side swipe, by the way. So. Bridesmaids is, is like many other things uh, related to comedy in the last 10 years, about 15 or 20 minutes too long. It's not yeah. just for Judd Apatow anymore. No. Right, right. I, I would agree. I, I, I still would say I prefer um, Bridesmaids, but yeah, I, I, I do agree with that assessment that it runs long. And I mean, I do think there are, you know, for, with Ghostbusters, there are a couple of those moments as well where it, it kind of descends into. Just a little too silly, but what it does well, it does really well, I think, and and it does a lot really well. So there you go. Yeah, I know. Um, the, the the child is asked about, but uh, uh, the child has not seen the original first, and that's where I kind of put my got, foot. Got to do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Well, your child, your child's going to walk out like everyone else, loving Kate McKinnon. So. Yes. I well, yeah. and, I, and I, everybody has said that no matter what they felt about the film, Kate has been the yeah. highlight of my, it. My I have never, and I watched my daughter quite a bit. I showed them, I took them all three to this, and. I have never seen her stare at the the screen the way she did at Ghostbusters and laugh as hard as she did at Ghostbusters. Um, her birthday was the following week, and uh, my boys bought her the the Kate McKinnon character's action figure, and she loved it. She was just so excited about it. You have not had a candlelight dinner with it yet, have you? No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> I'll tell you. I would, about- I would also argue too that Kate McKinnon has probably one of the best bad mamma jamma moments in a movie this summer. So yes, okay, yes. So be on the lookout for that if uh, you have not seen it. I'm working on that. Yeah. So, all right, Nick. Yes, I hear. Through the grapevine, that speaking of sausage fest, you're listening to <laughs> yeah. you're listening to film sociology, and uh, the film yap has become it's made the film yap radio now. Uh-huh. But but you you decided to inflict yourself with, and it's, I think this is really good timing because I just heard I think the news item was today was that the, the the electronics company in Japan has manufactured the last VCR. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's so true. The, the, the VCR is not going the way of the turntable as a retro. Uh, curiosity. No. That's so. that's kind of a shame. But then again, you know, the great thing about Blu-ray is you can watch certain scenes and they won't be fuzzed out because you've played that scene over and right. over and over again. But but you have decided to go back into the VHS era or Betamax if you're really old. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you visited a uh, you had a, a festival. Tell us about the festival. So um, kind of the initial idea for this is that um, so so Evan and Joe and and Sam and I we we I like to joke that this is a you know I read about how the the people in the Marvel movies have like this, like, running uh, text 
string, this text <laughs> message string that they all just like chime in when they feel like it. We sort of have our own version of that, uh, the four of us, and so. Um, Which one of you is Tony Stark? Well, come on, <laughs> come on, right? Right. Oh, of course. Yes. Go on, Black Widow. So, so um, this all, you know, kind of the idea for this kind of started. We were talking about um, at the Keystone um, Cinema at the at the at the Keystone Mall. They they do the midnight movie series during the summer. Yes. Uh, and uh, they they had on their schedule Roadhouse. And I mentioned how excited I was about, you know, the possibility of maybe going to see Roadhouse. Because here's the thing. Roadhouse came out when I was 10 years old. I did not see it in the theaters, but I right. did rent it on VHS about yep. as soon as I could. And for me and my friends, it represented the epitome of everything that a movie could be rated R for. Okay? <laughs> yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't the first R-rated movie that we saw but it was easily the most R-rated movie that we had seen. Is there a uh, list? Have you compiled a list of the most R-rated movies? Uh, we watched a lot of them, actually. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to. Sorry, I want to. I want to point it out. Also, you mentioned, uh, yeah, because I know depending on when you listen to the show, tonight is the last midnight movie at Keystone Arts, and it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service, oh. which I think is a, a splendid choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know also the IMA did a Swayze double feature of Dirty Dancing for the Girls and Roadhouse for the Guys. Yeah. Although I would Roadhouse. argue. They're they're both for the girls in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there's who who doesn't do Tai Chi shirtless with That's feathered right. hair. <laughs> so so in in my excitement about this movie, I found out that uh, that Sam had never seen this movie. Oh God! And so then it became okay. We have to go to this movie. Then it became well. You've obviously seen Point Break, right? And for both uh... Sam and Evan, it was well, no. And I thought, okay, well, you guys have seen. Tango and Cash, right? And, and no. <laughs> Nick, you sound like me. You sound you're like, what do you mean you haven't seen this? So, so you dragged them. So, so Joe and I, being the resident old men of this, of this, uh, <laughs> yes. well, the, the non-vest wearing groups, of the- right, right, right. So, you know, you know, we decided, um, you know, that we would do something that, um, for the sake of your listeners and your job, I'm just going to paraphrase as the F Yeah Film Festival. <laughs> um, and it, it started off mainly as just sort of a, a one-day thing kind of leading into going to see Roadhouse at, uh, at midnight. Um, but then it sort of morphed into this, this challenge to either match or exceed the number of movies that Joe Shearer has seen in one weekend. Um, so we, uh, our goal was to get to 16. Uh, Joe did get to 16. Yeah. However, he had to sort of add one that was out of competition. Yeah. Um, how many flowers have you given to your wife? <laughs> she, was, she was very gracious in allowing us to invade their house. Oh uh, God. That's a sitcom yeah. episode yeah. right there. She, she took um, my children to Chicago for the weekend, uh, expressly so that we could do this. So. Uh, oh yes. good God! That's yeah. a, did you fumigate the house? <laughs> <laughs> we we did a pretty good job, I have to say, of, of keeping yeah, we, things. We, we did a good straight. job of cleaning up after ourselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we we did fifteen uh, in total. Uh, there were there were fifteen movies screened from Friday at about seven thirty, I think, through Sunday. We finished up at what about six, Joe? Six p.m. Uh, yes. Yeah, that sounds roughly. about right. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So do you want to do you want to know what we want? Oh hell yes, of course. <laughs> this is this, you know we're, this is pledge dollars activated right now. So okay. so so Friday night you knuckleheads got together yep. and did this. So yeah, where you, how'd you start? Okay, so so Friday night was um, the the programming was a surprise. Only I knew what we were going to watch. Okay, so, Svengali. Um, <laughs> there were there were a few technical glitches that kind of threw some things off. But we started with double team. 
God. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Claude Van Damme. Wow. And Dennis Rodman. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, has the best product placement ever. Really? More than movie. more than the uh, the McDonald's in uh, Bye Bye Love. Uh, even more so. Wow. More okay. So. All, right. This, All right. This is a this is a vending machine that protects them from fire. That's Tell true. Me that's not the ultimate. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Because <laughs> those those vending machines can cause severe injury or death. As yeah. Well. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, in we, in the Roman Coliseum, no less. Yeah, right. Yeah. With, with well, when you're thirsty, <laughs> when you're thirsty, slaughtering Christians, you need a coke every now and then. Please don't send hate mail. I'm just kidding. All right, yes. Uh, and so then the the movie after that, which I was uh, I was giddy when I realized that none of them had uh-huh. seen this movie, yeah. uh, other than me, was uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh man, and has uh, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren and, and Brendan Lee. And Brandon Lee. And I'll let uh, I'll let Sam and Evan weigh in on that movie because I, I think I think they got a, a they got a you know, going back to an older title they got a hundred percent adrenaline yeah, yeah. I, I can't uh, I can't say I enjoyed any movie we watched this weekend more than I enjoyed the experience <laughs> of, of Showdown in Little Tokyo yeah mostly because of Brandon Lee every line of dialogue so excited even if it's a that led to the crow. Him. That yes. led to the crow. I yeah. just couldn't connect those dots in my head. And it's right. and while it's really I was watching it. it's really kind of interesting. I mean, if you look at it, like it, it's a bad movie. Don't get me wrong, it's a bad movie. <laughs> but it's a testament to how quickly he developed as an actor that he sort of moves from like the goofy goober that he plays in this movie to like the gothic, you know, stoic um, you and, know, death machine that he and, plays. And in the potential crow. wrestling ense- uh, ensemble. Yes. Hello, Sting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it but it has easily one of the funniest lines of dialogue that I've ever heard in uh, any movie ever. Yeah, uh, I don't think we can repeat it. No, no, we can't. no you can't. We can't. No, uh, it it involves endowment though. Um, yes, national. That's right. The national endowment for yes. the arts. Yes. yes. Um, so then after that we did uh, Blind Fury, which is oh, gosh. The Rutger, Rutger Hauer's Hauer. Yeah, and, uh, Zatoichi, the the franchise there, the Blind Swordsman. Yeah, this uh, is this is like me in high school and college. You yeah. know? Exactly. So what what time did the so Evan and and, and and Sam, I was wondering, when did you just obligatory say, you know I'm blowing off Monday classes? <laughs> I'm going to get an extension on my paper. Right. Yeah, so, so we ended that. That was, that was, that was the end of, of uh, Friday night. So we did three on Friday. Wow. Uh, so then uh, we got a little bit of sleep. Really? And then uh, Monday we – Wait, you didn't stay up all night and play video games? No, <laughs> no. Um, but uh, so the next day we, we kicked it off with uh, the, uh, the Joel Silver meets Alfred Hitchcock ricochet. Oh, God. Which, which I, I mean, I think that movie holds up exceptionally well. It, and I think that people overlook John Lithgow in it just because he's played so many other good villains. I, I think that's, that's one of his best ones. If you, yeah. I think if you ever met John Lithgow on the street, that's the one that he would – I guess if you brought it up, he would roll his eyes. Even more so than, say, like Cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're like, oh, uh, you brought that up? Yeah. Really? He, he shouldn't. Right. <laughs> I, I I think that movie holds up incredibly well. Yeah. Okay. Oh yes. Amazingly um, well. Yeah. And then uh, after that was uh, sort of more of the late '90s, so not really kind of in the wheelhouse, but still has Patrick Swayze. So Patrick Swayze was sort of the focal point for this weekend. Okay. Okay. Uh, Black Dog was after. Oh that. yeah, that the was, trucker movie Sam. with Meatloaf. Yeah. That was because Meatloaf tried not to go by Meatloaf for like right. a day, and it didn't last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things that we did with this is we sort of had each one of us, I sort of programmed the festival, but each of each one of us picked one. Um, Evan sort of by default picked Ricochet because he borrowed it from me a long time ago, hadn't watched it. Now that's a way to get somebody to watch something. I like yeah. that. And uh, so Sam had picked Black Dog because he had always been curious to see it um, and, and had not. 
so um, the convoy of the nineties, right? Yeah. Uh, if if uh, and a fatal drinking game in the making. If you did a drink every time they said the word load, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd you'd be like Keith Moon or John Bonham, so. pretty much. Uh, so then after that, uh, Tango and Cash, which we noted uh, yeah. was fittingly uh, the last movie released in the nineteen eighties, uh, released around Christmas time in nineteen eighty nine. You know, it, we 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 made our way to Lethal Weapon, but you know, you kind of watch the knockoff first, right? And, sure. And uh, you know, it, it, what's interesting there is like you kind of watch how the the buddy cop movie kind of started with Forty Eight Hours in that decade, because you know, kind of funny but sort of gritty thing, and kind of moved to this slick, you know, shiny bauble kind of thing. Um, and and Jack Palance, for my money, better in Tango and Cash than he was in either of the City Slickers movies. Winning an Oscar, forget <laughs> that he was great in Tango. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because last week the Onion AV Club, they have a section called uh, they do a segment every now and then called Run the Series, mm-hmm. and they did Lethal Weapon last week. Yeah, so good um, call. So after Tango and Cash, we did Red Heat, which was one that I mean I hadn't See, seen. That's it the Walter Hill film you start well, with. We were, that? Going to, we were going to do Trespass, but that's where the technical issues oh, came. Jeez, yeah. okay. I, I was really disappointed by that. Yeah, Red yeah. Heat was the first one that Joe and I were sort of like, yeah, this was a lot better in our minds than yeah. it was in Cause, reality. Because that was a period yeah. where, well, you you had Walter Hill, but and of course you know Arnold, but it was like you don't you can't just take a dartboard to a casting list and right. say you know these two. Should be in a buddy cop movie. Maybe you know the exception is maybe Running Scared, the mm-hmm. original, not the Paul Walker thing. Right. But that's because that's about as random as it gets with Gregory Hines and Billy Crystal. <laughs> yeah. I think right below that is Schwarzenegger and Belushi. Well, yeah. Evan, I know thought James Belushi's performance was yes. the best of any movie oh, that he God. saw. Yeah. I have to say that was the uh, that was the movie where the festival kind of finally caught up with Sam. I couldn't even hear most <laughs> of the dialogue because he was snoring. <laughs> yeah, I, I just couldn't do it. I fell asleep during that one, uh-huh. so um, I can't really speak to its quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, all, you, all you need to do is Google image mid-80s Annabella Sciorra, so there's that. No. Uh, Gina Gershon. Oh, Gina, Gina Gershon. Oh, I, I stand yes. corrected. Yes. Going back to your, your VHS comments, mm-hmm. so as we were planning all of this, you know, we were kind of throwing out different things to watch. And so Joe has a VHS copy of Steven Seagal's Marked for Death, oh, which if you're going to watch Marked for Death, blurry, smeary VHS is the way it <laughs> yes. should be. Right? Wasn't that a style that Fox put out for a while? <laughs> yes. See, I, not even Out for Justice. Okay, the fact that you had it on VHS, because I still think Out for Justice is, mm-hmm. is and I think, has the I best think moment. here's the thing. We didn't want to cloud the waters and make them think that all of the Van De- or all of the uh, Seagal movies are good. So we wanted to show <laughs> right. them like the kind of the mainstream one that, was, that I this think is probably made. the worst one that he did up yeah. before he started directing them himself. Right. Um, but uh, so th- this movie, you know, it's bad, but you know, not without some unintentional hilarity, including a, an ending that allows him to kill the villain. What did we determine like six times? Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> um, and we always like. I think I, I think it's safe to say, no matter the film sociology and the film you app mm-hmm. are both pro Keith David. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah, we, we love yeah. him. He plays a football coach who gets time off to go down to Jamaica and kill some drug lords. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, wasn't there a guy from the White Sox this year? No, anyway. No. That's... Um, so then we move into, you know, what we call sort of the respectable, um, comparatively respectable. <laughs> well, thank God. Um, uh, this, for me, second only to Roadhouse among the movies that we watched. Um, personally, I love this movie, The Last Boy Scout, um, <laughs> yeah. which... 
which, you, you know, it, it's one of those movies where, you know, you read that Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans hated each other when they were making this movie, but it makes the movie so much better because you can tell that they don't like each other. Right. And it makes their barbs even better. Um, and uh, Taylor Negron is one of the great kind of unsung um villains i think from from the late 80s early 90s yeah. he doesn't even show up until at least an hour into that movie if not longer mm-hmm. um but but such a great villain and and just kind of it's nice to kind of see you know how shane black has taken some of the th- same things the screenwriter shane black has yeah. taken some of the same things and and evolved them over time yeah um after that was joe Shearer's choice which again when we found out that neither sam nor evan had seen it was a was a, a natural one was point break Mm-hmm. Um, yes. and, uh, Everyone's favorite Greek actor, Gary Busey. Oh my, that is Gary Busey's best performance. Jumping yes. in a pool. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Uh, and so this was also uh, the source for uh, some, some culinary uh, pizzazz from Joe Shearer, who made some uh, meatball sandwiches uh-huh. really? uh, for us yes. to eat a la papas. And, uh-huh. um, and I'll, let, uh, I'll let Sam and Evan weigh in on this one, too, since this was their first time for Point Break. Directed by Kath- Academy Award-winning director That's Catherine right. Bigelow. Yep. I, uh, I loved it. Uh, honestly, the, the you know, showing up for Little Tokyo made me laugh harder than any other movie. But right up there is the scene where Keanu Reeves and Gary Busey just go at it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's just a tour de force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There's, I, I, I'll get to, we'll get to you, Sam. But I, I often said that, you know, the, uh, there are times that you have two people in a scene and you refer to it as the acting equivalent to a heavyweight boxing match. And I've always, I think we need to work on this card this, or a WrestleMania card. But right. you know, for me, the headliner has always been Frederick March and Spencer Tracy mm-hmm. in uh, Inherit the Wind. Your undercard is Montauban Shatner in <laughs> Wrath of Khan. And I think Reeves Busey has got to be in, on the undercard as well. <laughs> um, you know, I know everyone gives him a hard time, but I think Keanu Reeves is just a treasure. <laughs> he, he's just so charming and, and dreamy. And he takes and, the skin off the chicken. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I have to say, uh, his relationship with um, Patrick Swayze's character in that movie is one of the best bromances of all time. So you think they'd be running, uh, jogging against each other on the on the beach like in Rocky Three? Right. <laughs> yeah. Their their version of that was was the football scene yeah, where where right. they where they. Her, or uh, Reeves th- hurls Swayze into the surf, or they, you know, the Monty Clift and uh, oh god, who's the other guy? Uh, jo- uh, John Ireland yeah. with the the gun scene in Red River. So. <laughs> so, so then was you know the, after that you know we it was sort of the centerpiece of uh, of, of the whole thing, which was Roadhouse at the, the Keystone at midnight. Um, it was kind of a bummer because there were what maybe only about twenty people oh, there yeah. total. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's the sort of movie if you've got a full house of people hooting and hollering, it's, a, yeah. it's way more fun. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, that movie has its ridiculous charms, right? Okay, mm-hmm. I, I get that. But here's the thing: is that who else besides Patrick Swayze is going to play a guy that you believe could rip somebody's throat out and get a lump in his own over the, his ability to do that? Yes, right? <laughs> pain don't hurt. Right. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think that movie is is an excellent action movie, and I think it's just it's it's interesting in how soft Swayze plays it. I mean, you know, you could get any you know bohunk behemoth to get in there and break somebody apart, and bullet and screaming and bullying and snorting and all that. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so um, again, that was you know that was kind of the linchpin of of this whole endeavor. Um, you know, that got over at about. Two in the yes. morning, I would yeah. say. Yep. Uh, and then so you played video games all night. <laughs> well, was, yeah, so that was our eighth movie of the day. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we again got very little sleep. And then um, 
on the Sunday, we, we, we finished off with uh, the first three Lethal Weapon films. Oh, jeez. We stopped at three. You should have stopped at two. Yeah. Really? Because yeah. in three, everybody yeah. tries to be a comedian, and that right. was not fun. Yes. Yeah. And, and three was another one like Red Heat that, for me, I think was better in my memory than it was in reality. And it had easily been. We call her Renee Russo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it had easily been at least 20 years if not longer since I'd seen Lethal Weapon 3. And I, I have long said Lethal Weapon 4 is the worst. I, I don't know that that's the case anymore. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the case. I went and watched <laughs> Lethal Weapon 4 for the first time. Did after, you really? After watching all three yeah. and, and finishing up the film fest, and boy, it took me three days to finish it. <laughs> Just did not have the patience. Um, but but I, I think Lethal Weapon 2, I mean, this, this may seem sacrilegious, but I, I think Lethal Weapon 2 is probably the best of the yeah. four, I think yeah. that it blends sort of the idea of the comedy that, that crept into it with the kind of Shane Blackness of it all. Um, and, and that movie is way, way bleaker than a lot of other big blockbusters. I mean, you think of, you know, with Patsy Kent's character and... Yep. And, and, uh, and, and, there, and there, there's a moment near the end of two, because I know they, they, they were going to kill off Gibson at the end of one, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. So well, they, they yeah, drag they, it out. They do drag it out. Yeah. Um, so we did the, the first three Lethal Weapons, and then to, to finish it off, which got us to, to 15, uh, this was the closing film of the FEI Film Festival, <laughs> uh, the inaugural, because there's yes. going to be more. No, um, no. It was a Universal Soldier, so we started with Van Damme. <laughs> oh, Van Damme. man. <laughs> Hi, um, Ali Walker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's another one that, I mean, I... I own it. I mean, so I so mean, you have the you have the uh, body count mix with the cast involved <laughs> in the closing credits. Yeah. Um, fun to see Dolph Lundgren kind of hamming it up as you know, like a, a dementedly comic version of Sergeant Barnes from Platoon, right? <laughs> um, wow, always, always good for a laugh riot. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, those were our fifteen movies. We did this in just under forty eight hours. Um, and it, what was funny is that you know Evan wrote a very very thoughtful um, piece about it on, on the film app where he get, kind of did some four year consideration awards uh, from this and uh, but but we were you know he was he was live um, facebooking you know some of us were tweeting about it you know and like people kept saying like where is this who who where is this happening can we get we're, we're, tickets these weren't and, girls by the way <laughs> no they weren't um, but that's okay nope. uh, you know but but they were like where is this happening can we get tickets and, oh and, my and, God. and we just started we're like this is insane like some people like have told Evan like if you do this again like we would come to this thing so yeah. of course um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the bandwagon on this one <laughs> yeah, I'd love I mean, to be a part of year two what, what's cool about it is that you know like we sort of framed it around, you know, a sort of specific era. But, I mean, you could keep that title for a film festival and jump around to any genre, any year. I mean, you could you could populate a full weekend worth of movies pretty easily. Um, but, but we had a great time doing it. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, we mocked almost all of these movies, right? I mean, right. Not, not, I don't think there was a one that we sort of watched grim-faced without, you know, making <laughs> no, the no. wisecrack about Shut it. Shut up, this is a serious moment. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um but but it was just it was a lot of fun and you know I mean it's the sort of thing where if if it gains some traction and and you know it's something where we actually present something for the general public to go sometime or a contest of more, some kind more yeah. power to it, it yeah. Joe it, it would they would have you would have to gain the sports cliche momentum That's yes. right. <laughs> all right guys we got about gosh it's about six minutes left so anyway you can go to the film app and read all the adventures uh, there right yeah yeah so. Um, Evan Evan has a column that he uh, that he writes uh, every week, and so he tackled this I think last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Is that right. Yep, yeah. movie jibber jabber. Yeah, <laughs> very good. 
Okay, I want. There's a few things. I guess we don't have. I, have, I wish I could play Chris's bit, but we, have, you know, we need to talk about dead people we like because mm-hmm. we don't have time for dead people we don't like. Right. Um, writer and director Hector Babenko, mm-hmm. best known uh, 1981 uh, foreign film uh, nominee Pixoti, and did three films of note in the in Hollywood. He did, of course, the Academy Award winning Kiss of the Spider Woman. With uh, William Hurt and Raul Julia, you know who originally wanted the William Hurt character role, Burt Lancaster. Oh wow. man! <laughs> and there is footage. I I, I own the DVD because uh, he really wanted to do it. He went and and wound up being too old for it. But yeah, there's footage of of Lancaster oh, wow. doing ma- hair and makeup co- uh, tests for this. Interesting. So check that out. Yeah. Uh, his follow up was Ironweed with uh, the, the Depression era drama with mm-hmm. uh, Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson uh, at play in the fields of the Lord, a film that you see you have a lot of Tim Baron, Tom Berenger and Kathy Bates. Yeah. And it's not a punchline. Kathy will knock you out. <laughs> um, and then the, the really cool Bra- Brazilian prison drama, uh, Carandiru. So, uh, so salute to Hector. And I know everybody has been talking a lot about Gary Marshall. Um, you know, here's a guy who's if you've the first half of his filmography is incredibly impressive, and the second half is Daryl Strawberry when he left the Mets kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, going back to talk about stuff that I got to see on VHS: Young Doctors in Love from 1982, The Flamingo Kid. A pre-gambling Jenny Jones mm-hmm. and a fun film film with uh, Matt Dillon and uh, Richard Crenna. Nothing in common. Tom Hanks yeah. getting yeah. you know right a couple years before Big um, Overboard. Uh, it's fun. It's fun. We won't talk about the one scene that you know ladies don't like. Um, beaches films that ladies do like. Mm-hmm. Pretty Woman <laughs> films that they do like. Uh-huh. Frankie and Johnny. I wish all waitresses looked like Michelle Pfeiffer at that time. <laughs> um, and then, then things kind of went off the rails with Exit to Eden. Ooh. Oh yeah. And we go through Dear God, The uh. Other Sister, Runaway Bride. Okay, one yeah, like Strawberry with the Yankees, St- yeah. um, Princess Diaries. Yeah, yeah, a little up there. Sure. Uh, Raising Helen, Princess Diary Two, Georgia Rule, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, uh, Mother's, Mother's Day, Day. Yeah. the greeting card. Right, yeah. but it's not. Again, this is not TV sociology; it's film sociology. So there's that, and there's all of Gary's stuff on TV, and Absolutely. and as Albert Brooks referred to him on Twitter, his favorite cinematic casino boss. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and and the other thing too is that I mean, you know, you look at the talent that he discovered, yeah, throughout the years, right, yeah. or or sort of uh, elevated. Um, you know, Julia Roberts certainly had had done movies prior to Pretty Woman, but Pretty Woman is what made Julia Roberts Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, and so I think that that's a, you know, we we can look at some of the movies that he's done over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. No, let's and, not. Or let's not, or not. <laughs> but, but I think that, you know, I think that that really can't be understated. I mean, even even the TV with, with Robin Williams, right? Of course. I mean, uh, you know, so just a lot of a lot of great um, eye for talent and, and just, you know, some good crowd-pleasing, fun, entertaining movies. And, yes, his turn in, in Lost in America is... Without equal, yeah, exactly. Okay, guys, we got about a maybe about two minutes. Did anybody watch the extended edition of Batman versus Superman? Did it help? Yes and no. I watched it. <laughs> it did not. Help. Is there more Wonder Woman? There's. It's inexplicable. Is there more Ma Kent? There's more of everything you didn't like the first time. God it's, no! Uh, is it, now is uh, it in the film or is it in the deleted scenes? No, it's to... in the film. Lois Lane brings home some groceries. That's about an extra two really? minutes. What'd she bring? Boom. Tell I, us slowly. Well, there's a French bread loaf. <laughs> no, so, you know, I guess Superman. <laughs> that sky likes point that. to Roger Ebert there. <laughs> 
Wow. So how long was this thing? I think it's about three hours long. No! It's about 30 minutes of extra footage. Is this going to be like Alexander? There's going to be another version that comes right. out in about six months? No, no. This is really the version that I meant to do. This is the really good... No, no, it's not. No. By the way, that's <laughs> Joe Shearer or Zack Snyder over there. <laughs> right. Uh, um, yeah. No. Don't think there's uh, any saving that movie. That's that's no. too bad. So, well, let's see what else is out. Um, <laughs> Miles Ahead, pretty good, even if a white person was forced to be in it. Um, Demolition mm-hmm. with uh, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Average. Average, yeah. yeah. Guess what? He lives in a glass house, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this year's Bubba Hotep, Elvis and Nixon. Oh, yeah. Which is a fun little movie that, that really kind of got lost in the shuffle. I mean, I, I didn't think it was great, but, I mean... It, it's looser and and uh, more comic than you usually see from Michael Shannon. So if you're a fan of his, it's, it's worth seeing just for that. Well, I guess well Michael Shannon's not going to be playing a wacky dad anytime soon. No. Well, except for except for Take Shelter, but that's <laughs> but not <laughs> be, nice special. special, not in the sitcom <laughs> sense of the word. So all right, uh, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been fun, and I can't wait yeah. to hear about year two. And you know the, the invite's always here, whether you're at work or not. <laughs> Jeez, I'm glad I'm glad you got stuff done while doing the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, I worked hard in advance. <laughs> Phrasing. All right, Nick, Evan, Joe, Sam, thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. All right, go see a good movie. You deserve it. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan.